Are you ready for a word today? I believe that if you want to get a word from God, we must open up the word of God. I got a word for somebody today. I got a word for someone today. I really believe that there is nothing like the word of God and that you can walk in one way and when the word of God is spoken, you can walk out another way. I feel like I'm in the right church today. I feel like I'm in the right church today. We used to sing a song when we were kids growing up that you won't leave here like you came in Jesus' name. I don't know exactly every word, but it would say something like this, bound, sick, oppressed, something else, and then lame. And then it says, because uh, the power of the Lord is still the same. It's still the same. You won't leave here like you came in Jesus' name. Are you ready? I want you to stay standing as I just read the verses, then we're gonna pray, then you can be seated. And if you stand up again, that's your fault, all right? All right, you ready? All right, 1 Kings chapter 19. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all of the false prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also, if I don't get down there to your house and kill you this time tomorrow. Anybody else feeling the intimidation already that this woman has already said, I'm going to come tomorrow by this time before dinner and you're going to be dead. Then he was afraid and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah and left his servant there a little bit more. But he himself, when the day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might, that he might die, saying, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my, than my fathers or my ancestors. And he laid down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, that's King James for... Uh, I don't know. That's a good word. And I was going to try to change it, but it's a good word. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on, a, on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. You still with me? All right. We're almost done. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mount of God. I want to preach to you this morning on the title, Get to the Mountain. Look at your neighbor, say, Get. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say, Get to the mountain. Let's pray together. Father, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ 
that we have come in this room with weight and questions and doubt and trouble and struggles and thoughts. But I think today, by the time we get to this sermon, there may be an Elijah underneath a broom tree today, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, they're going to make it to the mountain. And we pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen and amen. You can be seated. I want, to, I want to give you an introduction today that maybe help you have some context to our content. When you read this passage, you see that we have a prophet named Elijah. He was a man of God, and there is in this story a king of the region named Ahab, and he had a woman named Jezebel. Elijah was greatly used by God, and Ahab and Jezebel were, very, were a very evil, evil couple. Elijah was used by God to do supernatural things in the earth, and Ahab and Jezebel were used by darkness to suppress the works of God on the earth. Elijah was a great man with great power and great confidence and anointing. He was a preacher's, a preacher's preacher because at one time in the Bible you see that he prays that it would not rain and the Bible says it doesn't rain for three years. And then he prays that it will rain and then it starts to rain. This guy was a bad, a bad man. He was a, a preacher's preacher. And in this story we find that Jezebel a very powerful, very powerful woman had threatened to kill Elijah because Elijah had made some decisions to kill off the false prophets that were in that region. So that's when you know that you're a, you're a, you're a really good like preacher when you can kill other preachers and still have a church. And it amazes me that when you see this story play out, this great man of strength and value, this great man of power, this great man of, of, of confidence, that when these words were spoken to him, the Bible says he arose and he ran. He arose and he ran, which is my first point that is conveniently on the screen, is this, strong people struggle too. Strong people struggle too. It's not just weak people that struggle. Sometimes we think that when we struggle, Benjamin, that it's because we are weak. We think that it is the disenfranchised. They are the ones that struggle. Or the, the people in a certain income bracket, they struggle. But if I were honest today, I really believe that strong people struggle too. In fact, you can have money and still struggle. You, you can be single and struggle, and you can be married and, and struggle. You, you may be struggling to get your business started and thinking that if I could just get the business going, then I won't struggle, but I've come to tell you today, talk to some people with thriving businesses, guess what? They struggle, they struggle too. You can, be a, you can be a friend and struggle. You can be a neighbor and struggle. Let me just say this. You can be a Christian and struggle. You can be baptized four or five times in water, and guess what? You're still 
going to struggle. You, you can come to church, you can read your Bible, you can have every translation, you can follow us on social media, you can watch every service at Vibrant Church, and I know one thing for sure, you can still, still struggle because sometimes life deals us a hand and it's hard not to struggle. Let me say this, that just because you struggle doesn't mean you're, that doesn't mean you're weak or a bad person, it just means you're a person. That real people struggle with real problems from time to time. And so you see Elijah is in this moment of struggle. You see Elijah in this moment of, of opposition. He's dealing with Jezebel. And the verse 3 actually says that he becomes afraid by the words that she says. And the scripture says that he arose and he ran. He arose and he ran. I know we want to laugh maybe like, why would Elijah run? You know, you're a man of God. You're using all this power and strength and you're going to run. But let me just pause you for just a moment. I think we can run too. In fact, let me ask you this question today. What are you running from? What are you running, running from? The Bible says that he ran, they believe, a distance of 120 miles. He was on... <laughs> Yeah, 120 miles running from Jezebel. I know that maybe, just maybe, there's not a person calling your phone today named Jezebel, threatening to kill you in 24 hours. But if you were honest, I think some of you today, many of us in this room are running from our past, are running from our failures, are running from a secret, are running from an emotional, an emotional wound, a, pay, a painful experience. I know you're a Christian, I know you love God, I know you got a Bible, but let's be real, we've been known to run a time or two. We can run from responsibilities, we can run from our shame, we can run from condemnation, and watch this, you can even run from God. The Bible says that in the beginning, all the way back to Genesis chapter three, when you read that, the scripture lets us know that as soon as Adam and Eve sinned, as soon as they did something wrong that God instructed them not to do, the first thing they did was hide and run. This to start, they went, found a place to hide. It is human nature to want to, want to run. But as you can see in the verse, the Bible says he runs from her and to Beersheba. And so here's my second question. Not only are, what are you running from? Next question, what are you running to? I like long pauses. Don't you like them? What are you running? What are you running, running to? You know, when my son or daughter, they get hurt, when they get hurt, they oftentimes do the same thing. They run from what hurt them and they run to what they perceive can help them. So oftentimes they're gonna to run to me or Lena and run to our arms, run into our arms because they're just looking for something to run to. Now I need you to understand something. I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a doctor, I'm not uh, a counselor, but I really do believe and I've heard over the years that everyone, everyone medicates in some way. The question is not if you medicate, 
The question is, what do you medicate with? That when you are dealing with struggle, struggles and Jezebels and problems, if you and I were honest, we oftentimes not, do not just run from something, we run to something. Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they ran from the presence of God and they hid among the trees. They needed trees as a coping mechanism to help them deal with what they don't want to confront. So what we, what we are unwilling to confront, we will find something to help us cope in our struggle and we'll find a place, a find a place to hide. Are right, you hearing what I'm saying? I talked to Allison Pearson, who's on the team here, who oversees our, our vibrant cares ministry and she oversees a bunch of mentors in our program, and she oversees helping us assist and help people in our church and in our region. That maybe that's you today. I just want to give a shout out to our vibrant cares. And if you're one of the people, come on, let them know how much we appreciate them. <laughs> vibrant cares is a ministry that we have here that if you need some help, you need to talk to somebody, you need to pray with somebody, you need a mentor, you need to speak to somebody, you can go to our website. Get on there, send us a message. I don't know, I don't, I don't know what happens after that, but they do something to help you. We would love to hear from you because here's the thing. I want you to understand something, church. I really do believe in pastoring the people, okay? And, and I can't pastor everybody on my own. That's not even mathematically possible. But we have a great staff here of 20-something people that would love to meet you, know you, shake your hand, hug your neck, love you. I'd love to get to meet you. My wife would love to meet you. And also Vibrant Cares would love to be a part of that as well. So I believe, and Pastor Ron and I have talked many times, that a true shepherd smells like the sheep. And so we just want to get in the sheep field. And so I just want you to know that if you're in this room and you need to connect to somebody, need to talk to somebody, you need to yell at somebody, my email is rondelgado at yahoo.com. But we're here for you. We're here for you. But there are some places that we run to. There are some places that we run to that may not be good for us. Can I just show you a few things I think we run to? Is that okay? Can I just teach for a minute? All right, here's the first thing I think we run to. I think we can run to, run to feel. We run to feel. These are oftentimes coping mechanisms. We run to feel. We run to feel pleasure. Sometimes we run to feel numb. Or we, or we run to not feel, but at the end of the day, we are using something as a coping mechanism. Allison informed me that sometimes just sitting in front of a TV can be something we do. So we're just not thinking about the problem. We're avoiding it. Sometimes oversleeping or is a type of avoidance. Not cleaning the house. I'm like, I've been running from something for years. <laughs> not cleaning the house. Not paying bills. You know what she told me? I thought this was funny. That she said for women, okay, ladies, this is for you. For women, a common coping mechanism is ice cream. Look at Laurel, praise the Lord. It's, a, it's ice cream and chocolate. Come on, ladies. Look at a lady just put her chocolate away. Like, is he talking about me right now? A coping mechanism is oftentimes chocolate for men. Sometimes it's working out. Whatever it is, sometimes we do these things to feel something. It's these, these guilty pleasures can seem harmless, though, right? But let me just say this. They can turn, they can turn harmful, okay? 
These guilty things can turn harmful. I read a quote this week that said, push to its extreme, whatever it is, everything pushed to its extreme becomes the opposite. So if you push to the extreme with chocolate, it may not work great for you in the long term. These are things that if we're not careful, we run to, we run to feel. It's the same way with overeating, same way with substance abuse, prescription pills, pornography. I read statistics just last night of the, of the amount of people that, are, that watch pornography. It is through the roof. It is astronomical in not just the world, but in the church. We struggle. We're, we oftentimes are just running to a place we run to feel. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I think another place we run to was we run to have. We run to have. This is where we want to have things. So we're running from Jezebel, but we're running to something to cope. So we run to things. We run to have money. We run to have security. We run to, we overspend. We put everything on a credit card. We buy the car. We buy the house. We have no savings. So, and then it becomes about the type of neighborhood we live in and the salaries that we have. Well, what oftentimes we're, we're coping to compensate for a struggle or an issue or a pain that we have. Now, it's not wrong to have something. It's just wrong when something has you. And if we were honest today, we try to fill the void in our lives with, with things that we have. It could even be a relationship that if we can just be seen at our job or post something or, or be going into church with the finest honey on the market. People can see us, and so we feel validated. We feel significant. We run to have. Here's another one, I think, is that we run, we run to be. With his status and significance, we portray confidence, overcompensating achievements, outwardly self-fulfilling pride. We set high standards, maybe even unattainable. We look for people's approval. We stay busy. Watch this. We exaggerate. <laughs> this is what us preachers struggle with this one. How many people were at church? Ah, 5,000. Church only holds 300. 5,000 were there. Power of God hit. It was amazing. Best sermon I ever preached. We like to stay busy. We can be in the gym. We're working out. And there's nothing wrong with those things, but there's a problem when those things control us or there's something we do to compensate for us running away from our struggles. Am I helping anybody today? Make no mistake, hear me church, you can be impressive, you can be wealthy, you can look good, you can be healthy, and you can still be running. You can fool a whole lot of people at your job. You can fool a whole lot of people in your family. You can fool a whole lot of people in your community. But if let me tell you something. You ain't fooling God. God knows when we are running with these places, these holes, these issues in our lives. We can try to run from pain, hear me, but we can't hide from it. You ever heard you can run, but you can't hide? You can run from pain, but eventually some form of it will come out in our life at some point. Because 
if we don't transform pain into healing, we transfer it to other people, places, and things. Did you, did you catch that? If we don't transform our pain into healing, we transfer it to other people, places, and things. I'm kind of a presidential buff, okay? Anybody else like presidential stuff? It's kind of nobody. Okay, well, I'm gonna make this whole story up since none of you care. All right, this is, this is a true story. Back in the 80s, President, way before I was born, President Ronald Reagan was, was shot. Anybody remember that? By a man named John Hinckley Jr., I think was his name. When he was shot, the bullet, I believe, ricocheted off the car door and pierced President Reagan in the side, okay? I believe it tumbled and came within just a couple inches or an inch of his heart. He could have died. Well, the Secret Service agent moved at such speed, pushing him into the car really quickly that President Reagan actually thought that he broke his rib because he fell on the armrest in the middle of the car seat. And so President Reagan was yelling at the guy, like, you, you broke my rib. And the uh, Secret Service agent, in his like, in wisdom, started rolling his fingers through the president's hair, checking him all over, couldn't find a shot. But he saw just a little bit of blood coming out of the side of his mouth. And he immediately knew something wasn't right. He yells to the driver, take us to the hospital. Okay. Now I say all that to say this, is that President Ronald Reagan wasn't shot in the mouth, but he bled from his mouth. Where you experience pain is not always where you bleed. And where you see people bleed from, make no mistake, that may not be where the pain is. You people who never hurt you get blood on them because all you're doing is transferring pain from who hurt you before and it's getting on people who did nothing to cause the problem but because you never transformed it, you transferred it. Am I helping anybody? And so if we're not careful, our running doesn't, it, it doesn't solve anything. In fact, let me say it like this. Running doesn't resolve our problems. It only compounds them. Running away from our Jezebels, running away from our past, running away from our issues, running away from the things that hurt and the things that are painful, running away from a childhood wound. If we were honest, at some point, running doesn't resolve it. I know you want to believe that. Adam and Eve wanted to believe that. I know we want to think that if I don't address it head on, I'll be okay. But the reality of it is, it's just getting worse. I read a quote by Eugene Peterson, one of the great thinkers of our time. He said, like, lost, like children lost in the woods, the more lost we feel, the faster we run. The more scared we feel, the more empty we feel, we actually begin to run. And so when you see this, started in fear in verse three, right? When we looked in the Bible, we're talking about the Bible today. I don't know if you remember that, but we're talking about the Bible. In verse three, it says that he started in fear, okay? It, it actually begins to compound effect that in verse four, he's now having suicidal thoughts. What started with just running innocently, thinking I'm just gonna get away, 
as you progress through the story, the running has compounded to a problem that now was started as just being afraid has now turned into not wanting to live. Am I helping anybody? That running can cause a problem. And the scripture says that he runs and finds himself at a broom tree. He finds himself hiding in a place, hidden under this like shrub type tree, saying things like, I don't wanna live. I don't wanna go through this. I don't wanna experience it. This is the man of God. This is the prophet. This is who God uses. And here he is hidden under a tree thinking that I don't wanna do this anymore. Have you ever been there? Have you ever looked under your schedule and looked at your life and looked at your family and looked at your situation and you feel like you're underneath it and you're sitting there thinking, I don't want to do this anymore. This is not what I signed up for. This is not what I, this is not the marriage I wanted. This is not the job that I intended to have. This is not the health problems I wanted to, to, to experience. But here you are, Elijah, underneath your broom tree and you're wondering, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. Have you ever said that under your breath? I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to raise these crazy kids anymore. I don't want to pay bills anymore. I just want to run. I've said that so many times. If I could just get some peace and quiet, if I can just get out of the house for a minute, if I, and really that doesn't solve the problem. He stops at that tree. That tree is a place of pain. That tree, everywhere you look in the Bible with the broom tree, is a, is a place of regret. It's a place of shame. It's never a positive connotation with the broom tree. And while he's there, the Bible says an angel comes and speaks to him, feeds him, and is like, we, we ain't gonna stay here, okay? Is that you, Clay? He's like, oh, don't look at me, don't look at me, don't look at me. But, he could, but we could easily, me and you, Clay, could find ourselves under the broom tree of life. And, and here's what I, what I want you to catch. The angel comes and feeds him, gives him water, strengthens him. And the Bible says he continues on. He continues on to get to Horeb, the Mount of God. Because I want you to catch this. Elijah knew something that maybe we didn't, we don't know when we read it. You see, Elijah would have known the rich history of Mount Horeb. Because Mount Horeb has another name, Mount Sinai. And that mountain represents where God has moved before. All the way to Exodus chapter 3, it was at Mount Sinai that God spoke to Moses and gave him the assignment. And he said, let my, or go back to Egypt and set my people free. That was at that mountain. You, you progress even further. You find that the children of Israel see God at a distance coming down on that mountain and he displays his power and glory. It was at, it's at that mountain. You progress even further into, into stories like Exodus 20 where God gives the, gives the Ten Commandments to Pastor Moses. It was, it was on that mountain. Later on in Deuteronomy, I believe, chapter 4, God makes a covenant with Israel. It was on that mountain. I believe with all of my heart 
that Elijah knew, I got to get to that mountain. Because what I know God has done before, I believe he can meet me there again. What he has done for Moses, he can do for me. So he has decided, I'm not going to die under a broom tree. I got to get to the mountain. I don't know who I'm preaching to today, but the enemy is counting on somebody to live under the broom tree, to quit on the 50-yard line, to give up in your shame, to give up in your heartache. But I've come to tell you today, don't quit. You got to get to the mountain. You got to get to his presence. You got to get to his glory. You got to get to the house of God. I know the enemy doesn't want you to come to church and he tries to remind you of everything that went wrong through the week. Look at your broom tree. Look where you messed up. Look what's wrong with you. Look where you've run to. How dare you, Elijah? But I've come to tell you today, get up, dust yourself off, get to the house of God. Get to your small group. Get to the worship practice. Get to your family. Get to your friends. Open that Bible because God, I know there is something going to happen when you get to the mountain. Even if they talk bad about you, get to the mountain. Even if they laugh at you, get to the mountain. Even when you're hurting, get to the mountain. Because the Bible says in his presence, there, are, there is fullness of joy. Get to the mountain. In his presence, it doesn't say there'll never be a broom tree. It doesn't say you'll never have a hard day. It doesn't say you won't experience setbacks. It doesn't say you won't experience pain. But what it does say is that in his presence, you'll experience joy despite the pain, despite the setback, despite the heartache. Come on, I need a little help today. But despite where I have been, if I can just get to the mountain, the Bible says, look unto the hills whence cometh my help. I got to get to the mountain. Sometimes I wonder if that's how Jesus thought. What if Jesus, what if Jesus thought, I got to get to that mountain? Because there are, there are teenagers in Columbus, Mississippi, that if I don't get to that mountain, and if I can get to that tree, they don't got to die under their tree. If I can get to that cross, if I can get up Mount Calvary, there, there's, a, there's a woman who's going to be sitting in vibrant church at first service that wants to quit under her tree. But Jesus knew if I could get to my tree, she don't have to die under her tree of shame, under her tree of brokenness, under her tree of heartache. Come on, are you thankful that you don't have to die under your tree because Jesus died on his tree? Somebody shout, get to the mountain. I've heard it asked to me the last few weeks, Pastor Ethan, what's your vision? What's your vision? What's your vision for Vibrant Church? What's your vision? What are you going to do? What's going to happen? And all these questions, great questions. But let me answer the question in as basis form as I can give it. My heart is for you and your family to get to the mountain. My heart is that when we come to church on Sunday morning, 
that we don't just play and we don't have just 20 minutes of worship and we're just getting through the moment and we can check off our spiritual list. No, my prayer is that when those doors open and the music starts and the praise team is going, that when we raise our hands, we're on our way to the mountain. And when we get to the presence of God, He's gonna melt these things off of us. He's gonna shake off heavy bands. Life's gonna be changed. Hearts are gonna be transformed. Why? Because we got to the mountain. You hear what I'm saying? I got to get to the mouth. Well, at Vibrant Church, what if we believe that if we could build a great student ministry and we get your kids to love the Word of God and we get your kids to love prayer time with the small group and we get your kids to just laughing together and eating together because I'm going to tell you something. That's how you grow a small a youth group. You just feed them. You just give them food, that's it. And they're growing like crazy. But, but what if we could just get them together and we get them going to the mountain? Maybe, just maybe, if we can get them in the mountain at 14, we'll never have to visit them in a prison cell at 30. Come on, get them to the mountain. What if we, what if in a few, in about a month, right? We have a ladies conference coming up and women's conference coming up. And you're gonna be hearing more about it here, I think next week. But, but we put those things together because we want you women to get to the mountain. We, we, we have small groups because we want you to get into the presence of God. We teach the Word of God because we want you to value His presence because at the end of the day, we want you to run to God. We want you to run to God. You don't have to run to what you feel. You don't have to run any longer to, to be something, to impress somebody. You don't have to try to have everything because at the end of the day, when struggle hits us, I gotta get to that mountain. I say this in closing. Look, we're at the very end. There's nothing else to scroll to. Someone's like, praise God. I was thinking about this last night. I was sitting in here praying for the seats and praying for you to be here today and that God would minister to you in a unique way. And I started thinking about how thankful I am for this facility. It's one of the best facilities I've ever been in. It's amazing, isn't it? What God has blessed us with, it's amazing. Like, like look at this, like, look at this thing. Like, what does this thing do? You know, like no one can see it, but it's really nice. Look at that light that blurred my retinas out just now. Isn't that amazing? I mean, we got a nice TV. It's on wheels and a big cord back here. Look at the organ. Let them hear you play for a second. Nice. We got like, like we got cool stuff like all over the building. That's cool stuff, ain't it? I love these things. But I think we have to understand and never forget that we use these things for the glory of God, but they are not the glory of God. Because I've been to churches with a pull string cord light and a ceiling fan. And the band just went with it. Ah, fly away, oh God. Somebody be. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm pretty good at it, ain't I? Pastor Ron's like, uh-oh. But here's my point. I know it was just little buildings and little pews, but I would be a little kid and I'd watch those old preachers get up and preach like a man from another planet. And those singers sing. And what they were doing, it may not have been like this, but they were teaching us something that we are still continuing today. Our ancestors, they went to the mountain. Our heritage went to the mountain. Our legacy is we can't ever stop climbing to the mountain because in his presence, fullness of joy. And here's the cool thing. There are no perfect people allowed in the mountain. If you got some screwed up parts of your life, perfect. We all screwed up. We all going to the mountain. We all going to the presence. There's no resumes allowed, no references allowed, none of that. If Jesus died for you, you're welcome to Vibrant Church. If Jesus, and that's everybody, welcome. We got to get to the mountain. Amen? Amen. Are you thankful for the Word of God today? Will you stand with us all over the room? I want to pray with you. To the Mount of God. Don't quit at the tree. Get to the mount. Let's pray together, church. Father, in the name of Jesus. As they're in this room right now, I pray that you strengthen them. I pray you give them the peace for the journey. I pray they won't quit underneath the broom tree. I pray they won't quit in their shame and guilt, but I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that they will strengthen themselves. They will wash themselves. They will strengthen and stretch again and get out of that seat and say, God, I'm going to get to the mount. If everybody's against me, I'm going to get there. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, there'll be mountain climbers in this room, people that will do something crazy. And even if people laugh, they're going to say, you know what? I'm still tithing because I'm going to the mountain. I'm still worshiping because I'm going to the mountain. I'm still praising because I'm going to the mountain. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, let's worship all over the room.
you're going to keep running to the mountain, church. Got to get to the mountain. Mackie's over here raising all these babies. I asked him the other day what his kids' names were. He was like, I don't know. But one of his kids are right here. And, and, and you're here today, though you have to make your own decisions, but you were built by foundation of parents that went to the mouth. Went to the mouth. The enemy could try to scare you, Stephen, with all the things you're facing right now and all the doctor's reports and chemotherapy tomorrow, correct? But keep running to the mountain. What would happen at a church like Vibrant, in a city like Columbus, in a place like the Golden Triangle, if a church full of people just believed, I'm going to get to that mountain if it's the last thing I do. If it's the last thing I got inside of me, if it takes every ounce of strength to open that Bible, if everything inside of me is tired, if everything inside of me is broken, come hell or high water, one thing you have to know, devil, you won't stop Ethan Boggs from getting to the mountain. I may have a day under the tree. I may have a moment, but at the end of the day, I'm still going to get to that mountain. Whatever the devil meant for evil, God's going to turn it if I can just get to the mountain. All right. Making me act stupid, man. I just hate it. I watch these videos later, and I'm like, what's wrong with you? But I'm just excited because I feel like somebody's getting it. Somebody's feeling it. Somebody's digesting it. Somebody said, get to the mount. I'm going to transition the service to somebody. Where's he at? He goes somewhere. Will you put your hands out like this, church? Father, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine down upon you and give you perfect peace. In Jesus' name, if you believe it today, somebody give God a big shout.